0: ready yeah i am austin lugo i'm andrew harp this is with nothing to say
1: let's talk about taste of cherry oh we didn't even decide on a next movie to watch
0: <laughs> we didn't even decide on next no. movie. <laughs> Shit. here let's do that again i don't know
1: what do you want to watch? <laughs> I would prefer to watch a movie I've never seen before, um, and I think I think I know what guy I would like to see. Okay. God damn it! Here, let's see. I think I want to see a. I want to see. I want. I think I want to watch a Brasson movie. Spell that. Robert Brasson.
0: Oh, okay. I know who we're talking about. Like a man escaped and stuff.
1: Yeah, I've only seen Pickpocket.
0: You've only seen Pickpocket.
1: And he sounds pretty good right now
0: yeah that sounds great let's see have you seen well i guess you haven't no no, Uh, i haven't balthazar no that can't be how you pronounce that (laughs) do you want to see that i haven't seen this one either
1: we should make it a double feature Ooh, okay i'm listening we should watch um maybe like yeah maybe like a loose double feature of um because uh we went and saw um eo Okay. Kazminsky movie, yeah. um, his newest one. We saw that in theaters. It was a very popular showing, and it was a very good, interesting movie. And I think that movie is kind of similar in that they both feature a donkey, but I think in other ways <laughs> as well. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down with a little
0: double. It's been a while since we've done a double feature. He's pretty easy to find.
1: I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I, I like Dio, and there's a lot about it to talk, and it's on Criterion. Yeah, let's do it. All right, I <laughs> will.
0: Uh, okay, I'll cut all this out, and then I'll, I'll just start from after the thing. Yeah, uh, let's just.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were, we were, we were, yeah, let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just do the intro again.
0: Well, we don't have to do the intro again. That's that's the magic of editing. I just have to say the. Before oh, okay, we whatever. Get
1: started. <laughs> all right, whatever.
0: <laughs> okay, let me pull up the watch list so I actually know what movie. Before we get started this week, next week we're gonna be watching a double feature. We're gonna be watching Robert Brisson's I feel like there's no way I can say this right. Ah, Hassard Balthazar. Ah, Hassard mm-hmm. Balthazar. That's mm-hmm. probably close enough. <laughs> and we are pairing that with EO, which is a film we talked about on the podcast. I mean, it's been a while now. Once you see that, like back in March?
1: Maybe. Like March or April Maybe. or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. I'm excited. I'm glad I haven't watched it. They're just both similar. They got donkeys. They both have donkeys in them and but I think they all are also like um, similar in their um, structure. I think it, both movies follow the donkey as it goes on an adventure.
0: Sure. That sounds like fun. I'm pumped. I'm ready. <laughs> I like Versan. Uh, Brisson. Versan's great. so all right. So this week we're talking about the taste of cherry, which is a film about suicide. So for anyone listening who is having troubles in the area, please go seek a medical professional and all of that. Mental health stuff. I will put a link below to the suicide hotline and all of that. But Andrew, you've seen this movie before, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I think I saw it like a year ago or something like that.
0: How was your second experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I still love it. I still think it's. <laughs> I th- I still think it's a near perfect movie, if not perfect. I think Kiarostami is uh, Abbas Kiarostami, the director. I think he. Um, I think he rightly. I think he rightly deserves to bestow the title of a master you know a filmmaking master yeah Um, i can't really think of too many people that i would give that distinction to personally you know maybe like kubrick i mean i don't know uh i can't really think of very many others honestly i just i can only think of kubrick at the moment but i'm sure there's like a a few others but uh, but i would also say kira like you know after watching more of his movies for the first time in the past like you know a couple weeks or so like i think it uh you know i think that uh it's clear, you know, that he is um, Operate. <clears throat> operating at a, at a higher brain level than most people <laughs> are. And Taste of Cherry is, I would say, like, of what I've seen, his most condensed feature film. You know, it's free from a lot of um, stuff. I think it's his most simple, straightforward movie. So I think in that way, I think it's probably his best film.
0: Yeah, I've only seen a couple of his films, Certified Copy, Close Up, and now Taste of Cherry. And of his work that I've seen, a lot of it, especially this film, is deceptively simple. He's not a man who adores these extremely complicated film setups or is first and foremost concerned with mise-en-scene, especially with the Taste of Cherry. I mean, this whole film basically takes place in one car, he goes to a couple a of lot, different
1: locations. I've seen more of his movies too around this time. He he's obsessed with like cars and like driving around. <laughs> he he loves that idea of like, especially with these movies that he films in on in the Iranian like kind of countryside. You know, not in the city, but the countryside. He's obsessed with like dudes like driving around like in the Iranian countryside and like just like running into people.
0: Yeah, there's something poetic if you will Mm -hmm. about this idea of simultaneously constantly moving so the scenery is always changing and yet you're always sitting in one place and in this film you're just sort of driving in circles right really all he does is
1: kind of drive around back and forth a lot yeah (laughs) there there are other movies there are other movies where uh well i guess like there are other movies that i've seen by him where it It really is all about like going back and forth. But there are also he's also made movies where people are going from point A to point B. But yeah, like, but, you know, whether you're going in circles or going from point A to point B, I think uh, the effect is the effect is still there.
0: And it's such a challenging thing to do, well, which I think is one of the reasons this film works so well. It's a very risky move because there's not visually a whole lot going on. I mean, most of the time it's really just I think it's beautiful people. It is beautiful. I I agree. Yeah, but I think it's a very very hard thing to do well and it could very easily be put off track because it's mostly just shot reverse shot inside of a car and there's really only a couple of actors in this film and so so much of this film depends on extremely well-written dialogue and just a, an extremely compelling story which is a very, <laughs> a very hard thing to do especially with a topic as intense as this one and even when you watch it you don't actually know that he's going to commit suicide until probably about like 30 or 45 minutes into the film you get a pretty good distance before you actually know what's going on he likes to and you
1: never and you never know the reason why
0: no and i think that's perfect <laughs>
1: yeah i think it's awesome i think it's very very good because just know, like, some, like like yeah, yeah continue sorry
0: no sorry the thing about his suicide and these thoughts and emotions is it really doesn't matter why he's doing it Yeah, who cares yeah who cares and abbas recognizes that the reasons that we tell ourselves that we do things like this don't really matter and are arbitrary because the point of the matter is is that this is a person who does not feel at one with the world who feels lost and life life is the only solution (laughs) life can suck sometimes and that's life is hard And that's it. There's like, no, it's not like he's in and even has these conversations with people. He's not in any sort of debt. He's not running away from someone. It's not some sort of family troubles. He just doesn't want to live anymore. It's just as simple as that. And that's somehow much more heartbreaking than if they would give a reason. I think giving reasons to why he would do something like this would feel very saccharine and artificial as if you're just trying to give a reason. But instead, there's nothing, right? He's just like, I just want yeah. to do this. And you're thrown into this situation, which is brilliant, not by following our main character and you know being explained like oh here's this guy he's got these problems blah 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 but rather we feel as if we are a passenger like the passengers he picks up you kind of learn things as they learn things and so it's disorienting a lot of the time through most of the film I mean you don't know where they're going you don't know where they've been and it's even more disorienting when you've never been to Iran before as I never have so I don't know like where they are or like I have any sense of direction or place but they also almost never show where they're going where they're been because almost all of it is inside the car so there's the sense of feeling lost that like you don't really know where you are in space or time the only place you really know is where the grave is
1: yeah, that's pretty much, yeah, you're right. That's pretty much just where, when you, like, because, yeah, like, he, the grave is signified by, like, the tree, the tree by the side mm-hmm. of the road, so when they arrive at it, you know, because, like, you have had been there before. But yeah, other than that, you know, like, uh, location-wise, he goes to a bunch of different places. At one point, he's in the city, and then he leaves it at the very beginning where he like encounters all the laborers and stuff and they're asking for work. And he, he the, the movie is very awkward because he kind of has to like ask these guys like to do this thing for him. And this might be an inappropriate reading, but it kind of, when he's driving around, like trying to like find dudes to like help him, there's kind of like a cruising aspect to it. yeah. Kind of like a, like a homoerotic quality to it. I, I don't think that's like really like baked in the movie or anything like that. Like <laughs> I don't think Kyrostami was thinking that at all. <laughs> But you know, I couldn't help but like like certain like dialogue and stuff like that. I couldn't help. Yes, but,
0: like, it was the first thing I thought. Like before I knew this yeah. was the direction. I I thought he
1: was trying to really you like yeah. You thought that right away. Yeah, okay,
0: yeah. I thought he was trying to pay
1: someone to like a man to have sex with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And 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 like I said, that might be an inappropriate reading. I don't know, but sure. uh, that that's a that's what I that's what I, I even you were watching it the second time. Of course, I know what happens, but even then, I was still <laughs> like, uh, like making those uh, connections. But whatever, you know, it's uh, it's fine. But yeah, it's like awkward. He doesn't know how to like ask people to do it, you know. <laughs> and he he's trying to find the right guy, and and then he keeps not finding the right person to do it over and over again, and it gets really awkward. And, and in a in a kind of um, in a pretty realistic way, I would say.
0: Or there's something Sisyphe- Sisyphean, Sisyphean, Sisyphus-like in the task, partly because he himself feels as if he's committing a sin, as if, and there's something very religious about this film, and I don't necessarily mean because most of the characters in this film are Muslim or anything like that, but as if committing this crime is a crime, quote unquote, of, of completing suicide is somehow sinful, not because of any particular religion, but something spiritual about it. And so he himself refuses to tell people the task until he actually takes them to the spot because he feels as if he is sinning and what he's doing is wrong. And so the people he picks up also feel that, although it does feel a little terrifying as a viewer when he picks someone up, which the first person he successfully picks up is the officer, sergeant, not military person they're in the military he's like a kid yeah it's like a a kid he's like 19 years old yeah it's like a teenager who has to join the military he was drafted into the military and there's something a little terrifying about that because not only does he not tell them where they're going oh yeah it's kind of like it's it's
1: like horror film like (laughs) or something like that i will say you say that he feels guilty about it i don't think he does feel like it's a sin because later in the movie, you know, just to touchly brief on it, you know, of course he talks to the monastery student and the monastery student is like, you know, killing yourself is a sin just straight up, you know, but, and he's kind of like, I do not want to hear a lecture. Like I kind of know it's a sin, but like also being unhappy is a sin too, you know, and I'm so unhappy that I think it cancels out, you know, the, the sin of killing myself, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think. I don't know. I think either interpretation can be like read that way. He probably, you know, who knows what he feels, you know, in terms of like whether he feels guilty or upset (laughs) or sad or, you know, he's uh, um, obviously later on in the movie, we'll talk about how when it he realizes it's going to happen, you know, when he realizes that's coming together. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Like I said, like the scene with the the young uh, military kid (laughs) is, uh, you know, the movie's like kind of funny too. It has a funniness to it. That I like.
0: Yeah, there's a sense of genuine awkwardness as if you were picking these people up. I mean, they don't feel like these are, even though, of course, they are professional actors performing a piece.
1: I think, I feel like the only professional actor is the main character in this movie. You think so? I think Kirostami likes to use non actors a lot of the right. time, especially in these like earlier movies. Yeah, I mean, that would make
0: sense. And they're just sort of conversations and kind of just possible. because I know he kind of likes to mix documentary style filmmaking with right narrative and you know of course close-up is his most famous example of that but they all kind of have actors yeah yeah he's a big fan of the italian neorealists and their opportunities to use non-actors in professional roles which probably is the case here but even so there is this sense of kind of awkwardness just in everyone involved yeah. because it's 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 a weird awkward situation well, it's, I mean, yeah it's a weird but... thing to
1: have to ask for yeah <laughs>
0: The first thing he does is pick up that active military teenager and they have a long conversation and you can tell like the teenager is very uncomfortable, like almost immediately, like almost immediately regrets. Like, he's just like, I want to go to the barracks and go yeah, back to work.
1: Think, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> and
0: he's kind of conned into going somewhere else. And he doesn't really know what to do because if you're trapped in a car, like what, <laughs> what are you supposed yeah. to do?
1: I kind of like how that conversation goes where like they're in the car and they're driving. And what's his name? Bobby, I think, the main character's name.
0: I think so. Yes.
1: I, I think that's, yes, Mr. Oh, Body, Mr. Body. Body. Yeah, Body, you know, he he like, he like he, he's, he's in the car with the kid and he kind of, like, basically gets the kid's life story. And then I just, like, when they get to the hole and he's like, I really need you to do this for me and I will give you a lot of money. And the kid kind of refuses. Mr. Body, like, doesn't give up and he kind of, like, uses, like, He tries to attempt to, like, use, like, the kid's, like, history to be, like, oh, well, you said you needed money, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, you're, oh, you're from Kurdistan, like, you know, Kurds, like, they're strong, you know, like, you gotta do, like, I I just love how, like, that, um, I don't know, I just like, uh, how clear his, uh, uh, attempts to get him to do this thing, how desperate he is to try to get someone to do it for him.
0: He's very persuading, I would argue almost a bit manipulative, the yeah, he's like he sm-
1: he's cool. yeah, he's like a he's yeah, he's like really smart guy. <laughs> a smooth yeah. talker. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's very smart, and everyone he talks to, he like grabs parts of their lives and justifies like why they should be doing this thing. You know, the ten thousand tomans for every full of dirt or what have you. He's yeah, yeah. It's almost as if he's convincing himself that he's doing the right thing like by trying to convince these people that he's the one that really needs to be convinced and yeah and of course (laughs) the teenager is scared out of his mind like he's he's terrified
1: yeah Yeah, he like runs away that's really funny when he runs away (laughs) that's a great moment that's just funny that's just funny as hell. I love, like, the look of the Iranian countryside, by the way. I think it looks beautiful. It's great. That's just a location where it's, like, you know, like, a, like a Kurosami movies, like, they're all like that. They all look, it's, like, beautiful, like, uh, footage of, like, the, you know, Iranian villages and countrysides, and kind of makes me mad just because, like, I just feel like in the United States, when you ask a person, like, imagine what Iran looks like, they'll think of, like, a, like a desert, you know what I mean? Like, they'll think of just yeah. some place, like, completely different, and I think just, like, like are like i just think that like we've like failed to like i don't know like show how because like Iran is like an enemy of some sort, you know. It's like sure they they live in like a like a destitute desert land or something like that. Not that like it, any country is perfect, but yeah, like Kiarostami, like it, it looks like amazing. It looks beautiful. It looks so cool, you know. And so yeah, it's just kind of like like thank God, you know, we have like movies like this made by like you know great filmmakers that can kind of really show off like the like the 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 the, the nature of their uh, home country.
0: Yeah, it's almost feels like cheating (laughs) because he just has these beautiful locations that he gets to capture and make look wonderful and it's certainly for someone who's never been to iran or seen iran it's a great way to capture what iran can look like and it's not just as you say a giant desert it's kind of like when people come to reno here for the first time they think we live in this like really desolate desert but if you've ever actually been to reno before you know that it's what's called a high desert so it's like super green there's grass everywhere there's a bunch of like beautiful flowers and that kind of things obviously a very different scenario
1: than (laughs) Iran. yeah taser cherry is pretty dusty of course like because he's kind of like up in like the hills and like hilly areas that are very rocky and he even goes into like a couple like i don't know like uh, factory areas and stuff like that that look pretty like uh, dusty and kind of and dirty and stuff like that but but then you know once again you know it's like there's just grass and trees and stuff like that, you know? So I would say like other movies too that he's made are even more green, even more um, and more forests and trees and stuff like that as well.
0: And one of my favorite moments in this film is after the teenager runs away, he's driving around and maneuvering through construction sites and these sort of things. And he meets with the security guard. Yeah. That conversation is amazing because. Yeah, it's great there's all of these like really wonderful long takes in the film yeah this like... is one of the best ones and, and some great sound design too where we just watch body sort of just walk back and forth like outside of the glass while the security guard is inside yeah. the glass yeah that's so cool it's oh, it's amazing it just pans back and forth and you just see him like moving around and there's just so much like detailed blocking that just works perfectly and and the way he moves in every moment and just kind of how he goes back and forth and when he's looking at it, it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, a lot of long takes especially yeah. And it, the long takes using, you know, nothing like it's not like a player type yeah. long takes. It's just like <laughs> it's typically like um, you know, just two people talking is usually what the long takes consist of. And that's pretty much what Kira Stami movies are. It's just two people talking at a time and they have a conversation. And I, I love it though, because it'll either be like a really long take, um, like the one you mentioned, or they will do reverse shot, shot, reverse shot. But even like the shot, reverse shot sequences, like I feel like they're really interesting too, the way that he kind of um times them. He'll hold on people for like a, an uncomfortable amount of time, like longer than you <laughs> yeah. would normally hold on a person, like in a shot, reverse shot situation, like in yeah. the cars typically. So I, I think even his, even the most boring editing i don't know uh you know a way of even the most boring way of editing a conversation like that it's still very interesting in a kurosawa movie
0: yeah absolutely he holds on these people for almost an uncomfortable amount of time and I, you could describe most of the film that way because of course he did also edit this film on top of writing and directing it and you can tell just how patient of a filmmaker is and i think this is something that you can get away with in films of this length i mean this films only like an hour, just a little over an hour and a half. This was like a three-hour film. You really can't get away with it just because there's just so much. But with this, you're allowed to sort of sit in these moments and feel these moments and it doesn't feel practice, right? I think part of the reason this editing works is because holding on these people for, as you put it, much longer than you typically would sort of allows the sense of, being in the moment, weirdly enough, you feel more present, even though things are moving slower. It just feels more like a natural conversation than sort of the classic Whittier back and forth, back and forth. And
1: I was just going to say, like, it's a really exciting movie considering not that much happens. You know,
0: it's amazing how interesting a film like this can be. Again, just another amazing aspect of this film is there's no reason this film should be of interest. Like if you told the log line of this film to most people, they'd have no interest in watching it because it is mostly just a guy sitting in a car driving other people around. And that's pretty much it. And yet, despite that, it felt very hypnotic. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that has something to do with the editing just the way it works I just couldn't move myself away and we've watched a lot of films for this podcast and there's been plenty where I get distracted or I get bored in moments even movies I love but this film I just felt glued to the screen like as if I'm being pulled in and I think part of that is the way he edits and then also the conversations but it's so strange that this works because this is just the kind of movie that you would think you don't really need to look at the screen because it is mostly conversations. I mean, obviously I don't speak the native language, but if you speak the native language, you would think you wouldn't need to actually see it. And yet the visuals in this film add so much, which is weird because it doesn't seem like a film where visuals would add much to the film itself because it is mostly just conversations. And yet for whatever reason-
1: Very necessary, yeah.
0: I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know why- the visuals are so necessary to this film because it doesn't seem like they need to be, and yet for some reason it just works.
1: <laughs> Here's Tommy he also does the thing where like I've seen him do this too multiple times where he does the, the close-up thing obviously very well. Where there it's like two people like talking. Oh, and he'll he, and he'll he'll break up that occasionally with like a really wide shot. He loves like really big wide shots like to kind of like sort of. I was going to say, like, like begin or cap off, like, scenes or something like that. And he kind of will do that, but also just, like, put them in randomly. Like, the car, like, it will be a conversation in the car, and then we'll, we'll suddenly be out of the car. And you'll see the car, like, maneuvering, you know, the dirt roads and stuff like that. He'll look out, the character, he'll look out to the distance, and he'll see the, the military people, like, running a drill or running or something like that. I love his wide shots because things will be really far away. Uh, And it's clearly stuff that, you know, he's he's directing. So it clearly shows like he's able to like direct really well when he's filming something really close up, but he's also really good at directing stuff that's really far away. And so, yeah, I like when he goes back and forth in that. I think that also adds to like kind of like the excitement of the movie feels like you're there.
0: It does. And those wide shots, it's not just B-roll, which I think is a very typical classic thing to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Which is, here's the course, building,
1: and now we're inside the building. Yeah, right.
0: Here's the building, Here, here's the outside, here's the city, here's whatever. It's used in all kinds of films. It's a very common practice. And you just go out and you get a bunch of footage. And then whenever you need to cut out of the car, you cut to that. And yet, it in this film, whenever they cut to those wide shots, it's never B roll. Like it feels like it's very much he sat down and was like, At this moment, we're gonna cut to a wide, and here's exactly what the wide's gonna be. And of course, you see that at the end of the film with the military marching and stuff like that. But that is just such a nuanced and detailed thing that you would never yeah, really crazy. think about. Because it would be so easy to just shoot the whole thing from a shot reverse shot, right? Do their whole conversation and then go back and just grab some whites of them driving around and then just cut them in whenever. And yet in this film, they're so meticulously thought out that it's very clear that this is in B-roll. Like he specifically said, At this moment, we're going to cut to a wide, and here's exactly what the wide's going to be. And it's perfect. It's spectacular.
1: Yeah, there's something kind of transcendental about it. The way he kind of like the other thing, too, is that like this movie in particular, this movie and other movies that he's made, like, doesn't really have any like explosive emotion. All of his movies contain a very quiet dignity. There's some Kirostami movies I've seen that will have maybe like crying or screaming or something like that, but it's like appropriate. It makes sense in like the reality of the situation, but especially like the, with the main characters, I guess like everyone is, has like a very quiet dignity and there's no big explosive emotion. And even when the main character gets angry, he doesn't sound too angry. You know, I watched like a, I watched like a bonus feature of like a Kira Stami interview on Criterion. And my, my impression is that I think he thinks that like, big, explosive, emotional moments from actors is almost kind of like cheating. It's kind of like manipulative or like it's kind of holding the viewer hostage, I think is what he described it as. That and like, I think, yeah, he just, I think he said like he just doesn't like movies that like in the moment they give you this crazy, emotional, kind of insane, like kind of experience, but then you end up kind of forgetting it. Um, And kind of feeling like you were cheated is what he described it as. And he said that he would rather watch a movie that would make you sleep than a movie that keeps you up.
0: That's a fascinating view of film and actors. And you see it in this film, not so much wanting to fall asleep watching this film. I've never seen one of his films and felt that way. But what's sometimes so haunting about this is that body, and most of the people in this film, almost everyone really is so calm about this fundamentally horrifying and terrifying situation I mean it's just at its core it is something evil and yet body and everyone involved in it is just so
1: there's a dignity
0: not relaxed though there's a dignity there's a certain respect to it but still there's like this anxiety behind it and of course there's sort of these big moments after he realizes that someone's actually going to do it and that's very intense but even with these conversations with people even though there's kind of these silly moments where you see like the teenager run away or the arguments with the uh, religious leader or these sort of things despite all that there's this calmness underneath it which in an director's hand would be very different I mean an director's hands needs to be very big right very emotional a lot of crying and yelling and screaming and yet here despite the fact That is so simple in so many ways. To also layer on top of that the calmness of all the actors is not an easy thing to do.
1: (laughs) The content itself is good enough, you know, like in terms of eliciting some kind of emotional or moving response from the viewer. You know, the only person that I guess like gets kind of like upset is the final, the old man, the uh, taxidermist, which is great. I like that um you don't even like see how he met him.
0: That's such a interesting cut.
1: The crazy decision, yeah.
0: I can't remember it's it's after the the religious leader left and it and it just cuts to him like already in it. Like it's so again, it's so disorienting, especially because this whole film like most of the time, most of the film is just watching him like drive around trying to get someone into his car to
1: somebody to help him, yeah.
0: And so to cut to that person and the and the decision already decided too. It's not even like He's he's trying to convince them, and then he like agrees to do it. Like that's even more disorienting because he's not even cutting to like he's already in the car, and now we're gonna go through. The no, he's already he's already get. given his spiel. already convinced.
1: To him. Yeah. yeah. Such a strange move. And the the story with the old man is another thing in the movie that kind of demonstrates how hard life is. You know, like he spends like several minutes, and body doesn't say anything he spends several minutes trying to convince him to not do it, to like not kill himself. And he's like, Oh, you know, a sunset or fruit or, you know, what about, you know, I tried to kill myself one time and, but then I realized like, wow, like the world and everything is so beautiful. Like, why would I want to like cut that short? The movie, it takes several minutes of him like talking, but then when it comes down to it, he's like, well, will you do it? And he's like, yes, I need the money. Cause my, my granddaughter's sick, you know? And it's just like, fuck sucks. <laughs>
0: It is such a challenging moment because here's this really grand moment of love and generosity. And he talks about the taxidermist does talks about this moment where he goes to hang himself and he's at a mulberry tree. And right before he does it, he tastes a mulberry. And of course, tastes of cherry. This is where this whole thing comes into play. And it's the sweetest thing he's ever t- tasted. And he sees the, sunrise and he realized how wonderful life is and how amazing it is and you would think at this moment another great thing is he doesn't play like the swelling music there's no like big speech there's no big epiphany here and that's that's what makes this moment so terrifying and challenging is he gives the classic big speech that every movie of this type gives the classic you know I did all the things and here I am and instead of the reaction of I want to live. I want to be alive. It's just, will you do it? As you put it, right? He's just—he's completely so convinced by—he's he's completely convinced
1: by anyone. The only thing that convinces—well, and I guess it's worth saying, like we haven't really said, like the reason why he wants to pick up these guys and what he's asking them to do is that he's going to take a bunch of sleeping pills tonight. He's going to go into the hole by the tree, and then this guy is going to come, whoever he's paying is going to come into the hole and call for him. And if he's still awake, pull him out. And if he's not, throw dirt on him. Just bury him by the tree. You know, he wants to... You know, I guess, you know, he can't bury himself, you know, if he dies. So he needs someone to do it. I guess the only thing that really, like, maybe, like, maybe convinces him to not do it, almost does, I guess, is, uh, is basically right after he realized, like, okay, it's going to happen. Like, after he drops him off at the museum.
0: Which is such an intense moment in this yeah. film. For a film that's so calm... He's driving away and like this sense of anxiety just like hits him. And all of this comes through his eyes. Like there's really no big emotions here, which is so incredible. I mean, such skill in acting that has to be required. That guy's a
1: real actor. Like if you look, he's been in like a lot of movies.
0: That makes sense because he gives an incredible performance here. And you can see it in his eyes that like suddenly it just hits him. And he goes back and he's running around and he tries to find the taxidermist and he finds the taxidermist, and you can tell, like, at this moment, like, he's questioning everything, and what's amazing is that, that conversation, the taxidermist comes out, and, like, the taxidermist is, it's over, like, it's, it's, it's done with, like, he doesn't try to convince him again, like, he's given up almost on him, like, it seems as if, at this moment, body is, is seeking a reason to live, right? He, he wants to be convinced at this moment for the first time in the entire film. He's not trying to convince someone. He is seeking to be convinced to live. And it just looks like he's looking at
1: the world differently too, right? Like you can you can also see that like, like he like looks down and he sees like the children playing in that amazing wide shot. And, you know, he like takes a picture of like the couple. They ask him to take a picture and he takes a photo. I don't know. It just seems like he's like, he, he's literally, you know, looking at the world as if it's the last time he's going to see it, you know, so he's kind of like looking at everything differently. And I think the movie without even really like changing all that much, it's still able somehow to change. It's still able to feel different, you know, because the character has changed and he's able to see things differently, even though it hasn't, the movie itself hasn't changed all that much. You know what I mean? Like, like it hasn't like the color, or the lighting or anything hasn't really changed all that much. It still looks the same, but it feels different
0: it most certainly does i think part of that has to do with the editing there's something sort of manic about the editing in this last portion of the film it, it's moving a lot faster there's a lot of faster movements and it just feels like everything's moving at this pace that never has before as if everything's brighter than it was and i think part of it too is he goes to a place where instead of the typical kind of yellows and oranges most of this film he's at the that museum which is like super white and bright and
1: yeah it's got like flowers and stuff
0: something to be said about the the, the metaphor of you know him going to this place that's completely bright and white
1: <laughs> there's like kids there you know like more people yeah
0: yeah his, his performance he's acting as if as you say he's seeing the world in this whole different light
1: I didn't think about it too he interacts with one woman two in the entire movie and it's the woman who has to take their picture at the museum. It's like the one woman in the movie.
0: It's interesting. I never thought about that. But then, even after he has this sort of epiphany, he still drives back to the grave.
1: The movie takes his time at the end, too, where, like, yeah, he's at this apartment, and I think he takes a taxi, right, to the grave, and it's, like, storming and stuff, and it really takes a long time, you know, for him to, like, get in there.
0: Everything after that conversation with the taxidermist, I mean, after he he sees the world for the last time and moves at this almost painful pace where you know what's going to happen like you know he's still going to make this decision and yeah he kind of moves through life as if it's sort of in slow motion and watching him walk through his apartment and there's no dialogue for quite a bit like there's no I don't think there's any dialogue for the rest of the film and he's just walking around his apartment and he's just doing all the things to prepare for those final moments and they're just so quiet and patient and that's It's really hard to watch because you're basically watching a man go to his death and you feel as a viewer hopeless, like there's nothing you can do. You want to reach out and and try to help him and try to do something. And what's terrifying about those last moments is it's not some big dramatic thing. It's just body.
1: It just is what it is.
0: Just is what it is.
1: And and of course, it, it kind of. I guess you don't really know if he dies or not. I don't know how you would if he did take a bunch of sleeping pills, which we don't see him do, but maybe he probably did. I don't know how you would survive that. Maybe you just didn't take enough, you know? like it's like a lot of Kiristami movies. they end uh, very you don't know because it doesn't really like matter, right? Like the soul like in a lot of Kiristami movies, there's like a a goal or a thing that the protagonist is trying to do. and right before they do it or right before they don't do it. It you just the movie ends and you don't really know what happens. It doesn't really matter in these movies, especially whether or not it does or doesn't happen. It's really just about kind of like the journey getting there and just kind of you know the meaning of life, you know, is embedded a lot too in this movie and others as well. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah,
0: those final moments are quite intriguing because he lays down in the grave, which is the only time you see the grave, by the way. They hide. The whole, almost the whole film
1: yeah that's true they never you never see it until then
0: and it's this this flashing light of lightning and the thunder and the rain and all of this and then we cut to like the, the movie's officially over right like the
1: ending of the movie is very baffling it's like it because it's just kind of like okay what's your like,
0: explanation of that ending
1: i think Kurosawa just like really likes breaking like this barriers i guess of like making movies you know and i think it's just kind of him having fun like i i I don't i really don't think it's anything like all that like deep i think he just really likes kind of demystifying like movies and making movies and stuff like that and so he just like threw that in there it's kind of weird but i don't think i would have it any other way even though it is kind of baffling when you first see it
0: it's an incredibly baffling moment because we watch this man possibly complete suicide we don't know and then we cut to, it's the middle of the day, the actor who plays Body.
1: He's like walking around.
0: Walking around. He, he like smokes a cigarette. We see our, our director and our, our film crew talking to each other. And they're talking to like the, the extras who are playing the active military. And it's just, it's such a strange fourth wall break. Like it's not only like a break of looking into the camera but it's like this is all a movie this is all make-believe and I think there's something really interesting about that and and like you said I agree there really is no other way that you could end this film I think there might be a little bit more than him having fun here I mean he is having fun and he does love to kind of break that but I think it's also and maybe I'm reading into something that isn't here which is certainly possible but I think it's also this idea of we tell ourselves the story of what life is We tell ourselves this story of who we are as a person, but that story is just a story. It's not who we actually are. So just like body tells himself a story of who he is and why he has to kill himself. It's a movie, but we're all also sort of creating this fantasy of how our life must be, of how we must do things. And I think what's being suggested here is that if we can just step out of that, if we can recognize that this is a fantasy that we're telling ourselves, that these ideas and this sort of cognitive dissonance that we have in our mind that we have to live this way. We have to do this thing that isn't real. And if we can step out of that, we can sort of live a happier life. Like if we can recognize that we have spent our lives telling ourselves a story of who we are and who these people are and who that person is, If we can step out of that and recognize that life just kind of is, and we're constantly telling ourselves these different stories then we can change the story and maybe not end up like body.
1: I see where you're coming from uh, in that Kirastami interview on Criterion um, another thing he says that he doesn't like in movies is uh when people give advice. I see where you're coming from, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But I, I guess I um with Kiristami's movies, I guess I'm trying to avoid this idea that he's trying to impart some kind of like advice or way of life or way of living or an idea of like how a person should live.
0: Well, that's the movie, Andrew. Yeah, that's the movie,
1: <laughs> pretty much.
0: Would you like to give your final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just uh. I think it's the best Kiristami movie that I've seen so far. I mean, it's just kind of beautifully photographed movie of Iran, and it's just, I just really love a good Kiristami movie. You know, they have such a beautiful, gentle, kind of quiet, patient dignity that I think like most movies just can't do like at all. You know, I think most movies, especially American movies are like wild and crazy, which I like, but... I think there is really something to just like watching a movie that is just like beautifully written, beautifully directed, you know, purposefully edited. And, and it has like a great idea behind it. And it is just executed, you know, in a way that isn't too obvious, you know, it's like very like surprising, but in a very like simplistic kind of way. And Taste of Cherry, you know, it's just like a moving, beautiful thing that I think anyone can kind of uh, connect with. Definitely a, a nine out of 10 for sure.
0: Yeah. There's certainly something very dignified about this film the sense of respect and calmness but also curiosity it's so hypnotizing to watch this film and and be part of this experience and I couldn't help leaving the film just caught in the different moments of this film And, and even though unlike a lot of big filmmakers there's no like moment to grab onto there's nothing sort of like the touch of evil, the player sort of opening scene sort of thing where like you can grab like this moment and remember this moment. What's amazing about this film is despite the fact that no individual moment is really all that memorable, the film as a whole, the feelings that you experience stay with you in a strange way that so many other films don't. So I too am going to give this film a nine out of 10.
1: It's a great movie.
0: All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can find everything I do at AustinLugo12.
1: Uh I'm on letterbox at retroandrew, R-E-T-R-Zero, Andrew.
0: And you can find this podcast wherever you hear podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Life Through Fiction or with nothing to say. And thank you all for listening.
1: Thank you so much.